you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've been cruising along on the life of Christ and applying it to our life from a practical sense. And what his life did in my world and uh, in my eternity, in my uh, ethos, in my culture, whatever, what he did for us as we read from his word and learn about him. Boy, I'm telling you, it's really been a blessing to me. So with me sitting right next to me, I mean, we're no more than maybe 36 inches apart. It's my dear friend, Kevin. Good morning. Good morning, sir. So we don't have to ask him where he is. We know he's in South Carolina in my dining room slash podcast broadcast room. And uh, so we're pretty thrilled about that. We've been moving forward. So we got another one. And I really don't know how this one's going to work out. I'm going to ask Kevin. This is the jokes that fourth graders use. And hang on. Let me see if I got some music here that can go with this. Hang on. Nah, I don't like that one. Let me try this one. Mm, the old drum roll. I, I think the drum roll may may have the win here. All right. So this is what it says. It says, what did... Da- now, I want you folks, if you get this right, to let us know, because this is a hard one. What did David have in common with Hamilton? Oh, Hamilton. You're talking about like Alexander Hamilton, the you know, big famous... I guess. That's what I'm thinking here, brother. Yeah, big Broadway play going on right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did he have in common? And David, um, trying to think if there was a duel. I cannot... Uh, man, I give up. These fourth graders got me. Okay, so we're there. He, he wasn't going to throw away his slingshot. Now, i got to tell you, folks, these jokes don't make sense in some cases. Uh, and okay. this is the first one that didn't make sense. I should have left that alone. So here's what I want you thinking about. Why did Boaz hate lions? So I want you to think about that for tomorrow, and maybe you'll bounce right out. So as we continue on with the life of Christ, we, we learn some things uh, from that woman as the well at the well as we move on to the nobleman. And I think, you know, as we closed yesterday, we talked about there was an acceptance that God gave her. There was an inclusion that God gave her. She had this spiritual thirst. And uh, boy, when God filled that spiritual thirst and she got saved, the world changed. And, mm. and, and folks, her world changed and so did her town. And there's an honesty and vulnerability about this woman. I, I kind of love that about her. I, I look forward to meeting her in heaven. This is an honest gal. And uh, she went around town and dealt with people. And, uh, and she turned this into ev- evangelism, I think, and sharing the good news. So now we move forward. And uh, we're definitely looking at the nobleman here. And uh, we're seeing what the nobleman has to do with all this. And, and he is so awesome. So we're going verse 43 through 48. And so we know some things are going on, and we start here with 43. Now, after two days, he departed thence and went into Galilee. And I know Kevin kind of, uh, he let this, he let the cat out of the bag, so to speak, there. <laughs> and uh, talked about the two days, but that's all right. You get to read ahead in this group. We're not judging anybody. For <laughs> Jesus himself testified that a prophet have no owner in his own country. Now, folks, I have lived that. 
boy, when you go back to your own country and your own country people up there, I, born and raised in Ballantown, Connecticut, you have to drive a long way to find a good church from Ballantown, Connecticut. Uh, you got a bunch of knuckleheads up there. I'm just being honest with you. There are some good ones, but you got to go looking. You're just not going to get them next door is what mm. I'm saying. Uh, you're going to be driving 45 minutes or something. For Jesus himself testified in verse number 43 that a prophet have no honor. That's what we were talking about there. Then when he was coming to Galilee and the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem and at the feast, for they also went on to the feast. So Jesus came again into the Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when we think of a nobleman, we think of somebody who's noble, a hereditary class. And here's a nobleman, kind of a representative of that. And, and Kevin's got some theories on what it would look like today. Here's a guy, if he was in England, he'd at least be a duke. Mm-hmm. And when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went on to him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for his son was at the point of death. Then said Jesus unto him, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. We got to keep going here, brother. The nobleman <laughs> saith unto him, sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saith to him, go thy way for thy son liveth. And the man believeth the word that Jesus spoke unto him, and he went his way. Uh, folks, can I tell you something? God can change things. It's a belief. It's, it's knowing that God changes things. It's, it's knowing that. So Jesus departs, and he's going to Galilee, he, and he, he sees this prophet from his own country, you know, this nobleman, this guy that people listen to, the elected class, the hereditary class. And uh, uh, somewhere this guy heard about Jesus' sign, miracles, heard about things going on, heard about the feast. And, uh, and, and this noble, you know, he approaches Jesus. He's seeking help for his dying son. And, and folks, you've never prayed until someone in your life is dying. You've never got on your knees and got right with God until someone in your life's mm. dying. Trust me on that. Uh, that's what prayer looks like. And the nobleman pleads with Jesus to come and heal his son before he dies. But what does Jesus do? He, he says, listen, you believe in me. I got this. And, and he returns home. We'll get into servants. We'll get into things that happen on the way. Uh, but Kevin, when we're looking at the life of Christ, Christ didn't stick around anywhere very long. He was a ministry guy, right? Yeah. He was always on the move. Our savior, it's, you know, just, it's remarkable that he would hang out with people the way he did, despite the fact that everywhere he went, there was problems. You know, there was, there was basket cases. There were, there were demon possessed people at, at this point here that we're reading, it says that, um, he went to Galilee instead of Nazareth. And we know it's instead of Nazareth because it says he went there because a prophet is, uh, hath no honor in his own country. So he went to the same region, but he did not go to his hometown where he normally would reside. And the reason was, is like you said, he was on the move. He wanted to, he wanted to get stuff done. And the, the people that... Um, were not closest to him were the more fertile uh, soil for his ministry. And um, then he went and talked to the nobleman. And again, dealing with humans, it says, uh, as soon as the nobleman said, I've got this need, I've got this, you know, this situation, he said, except Jesus said, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. So again, he was dealing with unbelief. 
um, in his hometown. He was dealing with unbelief in this nobleman. I, I, I kind of call him like a senator or a congressman. You know, he had some, maybe he was a local magistrate, something, but he, he was a man of nobility. He was a, of the noble class, probably the ruling class. And um, it's, it's just remarkable that Jesus still took the time to go and help people like that. And, and I want to say, you know, as the Father sent me, so have I sent you. Jesus has sent us, and we can have the same expectations. People that are closest to us in, you know, relatives are probably going to not be our biggest cheerleaders about <laughs> about <laughs> spiritual things. <laughs> They're going to be the ones to say, yeah, right, okay, don't get too excited about this. Uh, let's let's not put too much stock into what uh, is going on with our, our kid's sister, whatever. But, um, you know, we should expect nothing more, nothing better when we go out into this world uh, that that – that the people that are probably the ones closest will be strangely unaffected, like uh, uh, unlike what we are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry I laughed there, but, no. you know, if your family, Kevin, now admit this, if your family doesn't think you're Jesus free, you're probably doing something wrong, you know? <laughs> That's true. Unless they're saved. If your family doesn't think, man, you know, dad or mom or my brother or sister or my grandma, I, I mean... You know, folks, when, when we start reading God's word, something happens to us. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says we're a new creature. And then all of a sudden we start reading God's word in this new creature that is a uh, portable Holy Spirit station in your community, <laughs> in your office, in your car, in your home. Uh, you just can't, it bubbles, right, Kevin? It bubbles mm -hmm. out and uh, you become different. Yeah, the fact the fact that in us we have this well of water springing up into everlasting life like Jesus promised that we would have, it's really there. And if you, if you don't have that, let me say you can have it. Um, but the fact that it's there is um, is is so, you know, it's, on one hand it's exciting. On the other hand, you scratch your head and you're like, I wish the people that mean the most to me would be the ones to say what you got I want, but oftentimes are the holdouts. Jesus had that with his brothers. He had this strangely unaffected crowd that were closest to him. And let me just tell you, some people can't handle that. Some people give up when they say, well, if they're not going to accept it. Maybe it's not real for me either. You know, I was, uh, uh, I was in the house with a young woman who accepted the Lord years ago. Debbie and I were living in Fort Belvoir, Virginia. And I want to tell you a lot about this story because it kind of talks about you can't be a prophet in your own country, how to handle it, what's the practical side of this. But here's Jesus performing miracles out there seeing people. I want to be part of that. We'll be right back. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Well, folks, thanks for hanging with us. So this young lady was 14 years old, and she we were going to Ingleside Baptist Church at the time in Alexandria, Virginia, and the 
pastor, the youth pastor and I, a guy named Joe, Pastor Joe and I went to the house and this young lady wanted help telling her parents what she believed because her parents are like, you got to be crazy. Are you a Harry Kirshner? What are you? You know? Mm -hmm. And so we go out to the house and I'll never forget what the daughter said and did at that moment. We came in the house, we all sat down and the family was very kind and we got coffee and stuff like that. And the mom said something that was kind of odd. And the daughter said, excuse me, mom, I love you. I'm so grateful you're my mom. I thank God for you this morning. But just so you know, I accepted our Lord and Savior. And my life's not going to change back to the way it was. Wow. I'm different now. Praise and, God. and I'm going to tell you something. That mom and dad uh, just didn't know what to do. That dad received Christ that night. Mom came along about three or four months later. Mm -hmm. And folks, when you stand up for, uh, when, when, when you trust in Christ alone, <clears throat> something happens. You can be a 14-year-old secular high school student and go home five days after you receive Christ and say, Mom, I'm not changing. <laughs> Our Lord and Savior saved me. Mm -hmm. and, and so we move forward and we think about how God saves us and, and, and the things that he does in our life and the things that we believe in and how God is. And, and so we, we go up to the point here. So this nobleman comes along, and Kevin was aptly talking about this guy. This is a guy, in my opinion, who is definitely a leader. In my opinion, as Kevin said, you know, there's heredity there. There's definitely a ruling class there. There's definitely a guy that practically, as Kevin said, might look like a congressman or a senator in the United States or, or mayor of a large city or something. This is a large leader of people. And, and I'm blown away at this thing, Kevin. This is what blows me away. Remember... It wasn't all that long ago that this guy came at night. Remember the, the, the fellow Nicodemus. Nicodemus in chapter 3 shows up at night and hides himself and all that. But when the rubber hit the road here, when this nobleman's son, we're not talking about night, we're not talking about hiding, we're talking about there seeking the face of God, seeking the healing of God. So I think, Kevin, if there's anything that practically talks to me and probably should talk to all of us is uh, we need to seek God's face. We need to seek God's healing. We need to seek God's provision. We need to seek God's direction because he'll take all three of those things, Kevin, and, and, and provide joy. Yeah. Provide love, provide healing for the hurt. Yeah. This, this account of the nobleman's uh, child that was so sick then he he was seeking Jesus Christ. Jesus at first said, "Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe." You know, Jesus had a knack of speaking in realville. He he spoke. You know, let me just tell you something, sir. You're not going to believe. You know, unless you want a sign and wonder. That's why you're coming to me. So that's that's remarkable. Jesus speaking so you know kind of bluntly about uh, this the, to the man who was so. Um, so grieved, but that is the fact he needed to hear, you know, something about a, something was hindering his faith. And boy, don't be afraid when Jesus comes to us and says, let me just tell you something. You got a problem with your faith. You are, you need upbraided. You need upended on this, on these uh, hindrances. Secondly, the fact that Jesus still went uh, uh, and dealt with and, and healed the person because the nobleman's response to the, uh, you know, the revelation of his hindrance said, sir, come down, ere my child die. He was saying, okay, be that as it may, uh, you know, roger that, copy, but my child's going to die. 
And, you know, never underestimate the heartbeat of God, Doug. No. He, Jesus Christ still, d- despite the fact that he said, kind of like to the woman, to the um, woman of Syrophoenicia, that, uh, oh, it's not, I'm, I'm not going to help you because it's not fitting to give that which is holy to the dogs. And she's like, well, that is true. Copy that, Roger. But I have a great need and I don't deserve it. Can I have some crumbs? So this guy here um, was saying, I still got this need. Jesus said, go thy way, verse 50, thy son liveth. And the man be- believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. So it's an interaction. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is interactive. He speaks to us. We speak to him about our need. He speaks to us about our deeper need. We say, Roger that, copy. You are exactly right. I have a problem in my faith. Help thou mine unbelief. And in such a relationship with that kind of interaction going on, the next thing you know, we've got uh, what we really are, are looking for. So let's go ahead and let God tell it like it is. Let's go ahead and stay on the thing. Let's be importunate about our need and let the process play out, and we'll come out of it better as well as the need being met. Yeah, the old hymnist wrote those words, and he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And whenever I sing that song and I hear those words, he tells me I am his own. Those of us who've been hurt, those of us whose lives have been upside down, those of us who suffer from the effects of a crazy narcissist that made us feel bad and cheap Mm. and unloved and ugly and dirty and not necessarily the greatest thing in the world. (laughs) We have a savior that doesn't think any of that of you. He thinks so much of you. He died on the cross for you. And and then we get to that point of that hymn, don't we? In the joy we share as we tarry there, Mm. none other has ever known. So folks, practically, as I go through this lesson, I know I'm quoting a hymn, it's not the Bible, but the truth of what we're reading is so real here. The Mm. truth that we get to tarry with Jesus. Uh, Mm. 8 billion people, 8.4 billion people, whatever they said on the news the other night, in this whole world, and God knows every single one of us. He knows our DNA. He knows the hair, uh, every one of our hairs on our heads. And and, uh, some of you young people have a bunch. I remember when my boys were young, you could turn them upside down and sweep the floor with their hair, man. These guys, have, now you can do that with their beards. They, uh, But Kevin, you know, when we get this, when we're not worried about being a prophet in our own nation anymore, when we're not stuck on that, mm. when we're not stuck on being the most popular person in the world, when we push the things that make up vanity, when we push the things that make up the world to the side, they grow real dim once we enter Christ into the equation. They grow deal real dim when we got this guy we can go to that can save our son. When we got this guy that we go to that saves our soul. When we got this person that can minister to us. Doesn't it change things? Yeah. Yeah. It is so amazingly wonderful that the Savior, you know, interacted with this guy so well and tarried there with him and uh, stayed with it until the guy's need was met. And the guy, likewise, he stayed with it. You know, draw nigh unto me and uh, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. You know, they both did what they could do. And in the end, God's part that he did was the supernatural thing. 
So we have to understand that our Savior is the supernatural component, but we are the faith component. We have to be the one to say, I take, I take you at your word, Lord. I, I give you the benefit of the doubt in this. I don't understand this. I'm recognizing, yes, I've got limitations to my faith, but Lord, this little mustard seed that you said would in the end move a mountain, if it once God gets involved in it, Lord, I offer you, I hope, a mustard seed. You know, I've had situations, Doug, where I had such weak faith. I just had to say, Lord, I, I don't even feel the mustard seed. I You know, everything screams to me doubt, disbelief, dark, failure, God's not here. Everything screams to me negativity. And Lord, I, I don't even feel the mustard seed. If there's a mustard seed of faith, I feel it's lost somewhere in the kitchen larder, you know, in the pantry somewhere. It's, I don't even know which, uh, you know, which one's the mustard seed uh, jar. So God recognizes our interacting with him on that level. And uh, thank God for his willingness. Praise God, folks. What a God we serve. What a, what a God we serve. Listen, folks, we'll be back tomorrow. When you go out today with that smile that only God can give you, may God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.